I can't believe I'm going to say I wouldn't take it back because I'm so much happier. And I found, I don't think you find yourself. I think you come back to yourself. But through this process, I was able to like shed so many extra things that weren't me. You know, it really helped me take a look at vanity and how we place so much importance on our, our own physical appearance and physical appearance of others and how we don't appreciate our bodies for what they can do for us. Uh, we don't take care of them. And, and I'm just, it has put me in front of this computer with you having that experience. Yeah, so so that, powerful. that's for sure been the most trying and difficult experience of my life. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. And we're back. What's happening, everybody? Hope you guys are having a great day today. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us. We have uh, one of my fellow sisters from the Aubrey Marcus Fit for Service Mastermind joining us today. Her name is Sally Hughes. Awesome conversation. It's funny because we haven't really connected one-on-one yet, connected with a lot of them. And even in Tulum, where we first all got together this year, I never got to connect with Sally for whatever reason. But it's funny how the universe brings us together when we need to. And today was perfect. We had such an awesome conversation and super, super grateful. So let us know what you think of this episode, you guys. If you aren't subscribed to University of Adversity yet, go to Apple, hit that subscribe button. What that does is that keeps you on top of all the episodes that come out. We have them Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And if you get value, share this with a friend. Tag us in a story on social media. It's greatly appreciated. I love hearing what you got from the episode and how it impacted you. So enjoy the show, everybody. Sally Hughes coming right up. And we're on. Sally, how are you doing? I'm great. (laughs) How are you? So good. So good. So for everyone listening, this is the first time that we're actually having a chat. There's a few of us from Fit for Service who I've chatted with a little bit before they come on the show. And it's funny because we've kind of, kind of chatted on WhatsApp, but we haven't had like a, a one-on-one talk before. No. So, Were you and, in Tulum? Yeah, I was in Tulum and we, I, we didn't even see each other. It's wild because after Tulum, and I was overwhelmed in Tulum, right? There's yeah. so many people to meet and so many things to do. But after we got back, I kept seeing names that I was like, I didn't even meet a Lance in Tulum. I didn't even, it was just, it was really wild. Yeah. Yeah, it was, there's just, there's so many people and it's so, there's so much excitement. And I mean, you can only, that's the thing. It's like you, you meet people, but you can only put so much energy into getting to know somebody at a time. Cause if you just dabble a little bit with everybody, then you don't get to really know anybody. Right. Right. So you kind of find a few people and you sort of just, it's nice to sort of like lean into them and sort of start to talk and figure out who are you? You know, like yeah, it's been great to learn that over the course of this year so far, because every meetup and I've done many meetups here and there, but your tendency, at least mine throughout my life is to stick with who I'm comfortable with and what I know. And so I met those people I really clicked with in Tulum. And then I wanted to stick with that group for the next meetup or maybe stay in a house with the same people. 
Yeah. And I had to make myself, no, let's do, let's do a new group. Let's spend quality time with a different group of people. And so you can get that experience with as many people as possible over the course of the year. Totally. I think that's a smart idea. Yeah. For us, we, we were all in that Casa Ganesh and it was just Yeah. I heard that was fun. It was fun. It was a little bit too much fun, but uh, (laughs) there's never too much fun at all. It's all part of it, but yeah, that was great and got to know people really well. But again, like, you, you know, you then you tend to just sort of go with those people all the time and which is good because you kind of, that's fine. And then, like you said, I think the solution to that is next time be open to sort of doing that again. If you do that a few times, then you're kind of like, you, you get to know, you know, a good chunk of people pretty well. Yeah. It's been beautiful. So Austin, we just finished up our Austin meetup yeah. and I had hand selected a house of people that I wanted to stay together and I, and I invited them. And so I had a group of like eight people or so. And then a lot of people fell off uh, as Austin got closer. So our house got smaller. Well, then another house fell apart. The house wasn't happening anymore. So like four or five people from that house who I didn't have much experience with ended up in our, our house. And at first I was like, okay, these personalities aren't a great match. Like their priorities as far as bedtime and like what the house is going to be like are different. This doesn't match up. And by the time it was over with, I just had this conversation with myself, like Sally, you're here. It just taught me that I don't have to be like everyone else. They don't have to be, we don't have to be just alike to share space together and appreciate each other and acknowledge what each one brings to the table. And it was a great eye-opening learning experience for me. Mm. Yeah, that's such a lesson too. Like everybody's a teacher in that way and shows us a lot about ourselves. Yeah. You know, and the acceptance of the different people and yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how we want to keep our comfort and like we want to try and control things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If we kind of let go and just sort of like, I was so disappointed because of what's going on, me being in Canada, obviously like can't go to Austin and not going to be in Tahoe. So yeah, I'm hopefully for Sedona, like, yeah, like I'm really hoping because. So what are the rules? Well, Technically, you're allowed to fly in is what I've heard, but yeah. I don't want to risk having to just get some like some dickhead border control that decides to just be like, look, you're you're staying, you have to quarantine here or I don't I don't know. I just don't want to risk it, you know, like yeah. and coming back, there's the whole like quarantine stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, And when I was booking everything and it just, something didn't feel right. I didn't want to put all that money into flights and getting all things sorted out and then it be canceled because of Canada, we can't go or something, you know, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a tease because everybody's like, everybody's talking about it and going down there. Well, you got to listen to that voice, yeah. right? You, yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, yeah. what's best for you and, um, you got to listen to that. Well, that's what I wonder though, too, though. It's like the resistance. Is it just me being taking the easy way out? Right. Or is it like, you know what I mean? When is that actually resistance versus the right thing to do? Like, 
It's a, it's a weird situation. It's tricky. You can use it to your advantage either way. I think like I, that's something I've really been working on this year is leaning into things that I feel resistance to. Yeah. Like what? I'm going to say that 80% of the time it pays off in a big way, like staying in a house. So in Tulum, I had a room by myself. So even just going and having, I mean, I live at home alone with my nine-year-old daughter and it's just the two of us. So, you know, my house is very much the way I want it. We go to bed and it's quiet. It's clean. We eat what we want. You know, it's just, there's not much compromise because it's just the two of us. So even like going and I'm 38. So rooming with eight girls who are a, a range of ages for five days is it's a step out for me. Like that's, that is outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. So, so I could have gone to Austin and gotten a hotel room by myself, which I wanted to do, but I'm so glad that I stayed, I stayed with those girls. I'm so glad. Mm. Um, so leaning into things like that conversations that I'm uncomfortable having, speaking my truth, saying, I, w- I need this from you, or I don't want to do this, or this doesn't align with my values anymore. Yeah. Those kind of things, just whatever it is in the moment, I, I acknowledge that I'm feeling resistance to it. And I mm. test the waters a little bit. And, um, yeah. The uncomfortable conversations are, are, are hard. Like I'm the same. Sometimes like it's like, what do you think that is? Are you afraid of the reaction from the other person? Or are you like, what is the reason for the uncomfortable? Like why is there that feeling? Because I'm the same way. And I think a lot of people are, but why would you say? So I, I learned from a young age to be like a chameleon personality to I was always concerned about making everyone else happy, making everyone else comfortable. Like in high school, I was the girl that was friends with everyone because I could adapt and change myself and my personality to fit the situation. Mm. And so I just did that for so long. You know, you don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers, but I also think it was a little bit of, it was a self-confidence thing too, because if I didn't feel enough value in what I felt, then it wasn't important enough to say it to someone else. Um, so mm. I think I had that going on a lot too. I just, I just second guess myself so much and you don't want, you always just always wanting to be accepted 100% by everyone. That was always a challenge for me. And I mean, we're human beings. We're not going to, every person you meet is not going to be your best friend, let alone even your friend, you know, or, right. or someone that's going to fit into your life in a, in a positive or healthy way. And that's okay. Yeah. That acceptance is, 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 is so important. See, it's funny. Cause funny you bring this up. This is really interesting. I had a chat with Reno yesterday and from FFS, FFS and yeah. We, he talked about that as well. And this was really interesting is that in high school, he was, tr- he was friends with everybody. And, we're, and I was talking about that too, is how, 
how we put on these different masks to suit the groups and how we, I wonder, so we're going to these different groups. We're trying to keep the, you know, we don't want to upset everybody. We want to be able to be friends with everybody. But then I wonder, are we ever in our own truth or are we just constantly changing to adapt to the group, which can be good. You can, to be able to adapt to a group is, is a powerful thing. Like to be able to get along with people, like, you know how there's people where you meet them and you're like afraid to bring them out with certain people. Yes. Like, Oh shit. What are you going to say? Like, like, are you going to be an idiot or, you know what I mean? Like there was friends of mine that I'm like, I don't want these worlds to mix. So I'm going to keep them separate. I've even had girlfriends where I don't want to meet certain people on my friends. So sure. what's, in, what's interesting is like how we do that. And I think it, it can be useful in certain situations. But then if you take a step back and you think about, well, have I ever really been in my truth? Or am I always changing to like adapt to people? Right? So personally, I don't think... I don't think I figured out how to be in my truth, honestly, until I was mm. into my late thirties. So no, I don't, I don't think I ever was. And it got so, I'm in sales. So you've got a lot of that too. Yeah. You know, you've got to adapt to the situation. But I was thinking about it a couple of years ago, I was in a place where when I would get up in the morning, I would get dressed and choose my outfit based on who I was going to meet that day. Like the clients that I was going to call on, like, what color should I wear to this meet? What color should my shirt be? And like now that is ridiculous. I mean, it's just crazy. Mm. I can't imagine. That's it's so, that's so stressful. Um, and it's giving, it's giving away so much of your own. I don't know if you want to call that power, which is giving so much of yourself away. Totally. Yeah. Like we care so much about what other people think and what, I've done the same thing. It's like, who cares? Like how, when you operate out of what you think is what you feel is right, then it doesn't matter what anybody's reaction is because you know, you're doing what's right for you. And you're right. Like we're like, we're pretty much the same age. So you're, what are you 82, 83? 81. Okay. I'm 83. So we're pretty much the same age. You look great by the way. Thank you. <laughs> but, but yeah, like I've never, it's been something. And I think even just, starting to, you know, with this group and, you know, Aubrey Marcus and learning about like, what is truth? You know, what is, what is it? Like, I had no idea about ego and about soul. I thought it was all just one big clump thing together. Yeah. And like to actually understand that there's a difference in why we think certain things for certain situations and what is actually true. It's just like such a journey to, and it's, it's a, it's a really, it's relieving to know that they're different. Like when you're in your truth, it feels good. You're in flow. It does. It feels amazing. And, and it's like the, the more you can get used to following that, the better, like, you know, after you do something that you feel good about or you're in flow, you just it's just amazing after, right? When you just like know you're in the zone versus Everything when you're like trying to adapt. Natural. Yeah. You know, for me a lot too, it was about validation, external mm. validation. Like I needed everyone to like me. And so. Why um, is that? Do you think? What was it like for you growing up? Like what walk us through that? Like, why do you think that 
Because it's interesting because so many people feel like that growing up. Why do you think, why did you think you went through that? Like why? I think I just, I just grew up in a household where, and this is the way my parents grew up too. Mm. If you didn't like traditional Roman Catholic, like I live in Southern Indiana, it's a pretty conservative area. Just, you know, if it wasn't what my parents wanted me to do, think, or say, then I shouldn't do it, think it, or say it. Mm. And so, you know, if we were doing something that they didn't approve of, we just never talked about, like it wasn't even acknowledged. So you just kind of learn to keep a lot of things to yourself growing up in that environment. And, you know, it's no, it's, it's the way my parents learned. Yeah. It's that generation, right? Like that's how. So, you know, nothing against them. It's been, it's actually been beautiful to see my dad passed away two years ago, but to see my mom, to see all the changes that I've made and to see my mom start to model her communication after mine to want to speak her own truth and communicate about things that she maybe wouldn't have. She would have just kept on her own chest uh, and dealt with alone in the past. She's starting to come around too. So it, you know, healing yourself helps, helps to heal the people around you. So I think, so ultimately that's where it came from. Um, but the cool thing about it too is that like I don't choose to so I've been in I've been in this area my entire life. So my friends, our parents went to school together, we went to school together, our kids go to school together. Oh wow. So it's like and it's hard to change in that environment because these people have known you your entire life and they expect you to be this. Right. And when you start to deviate from that, everybody freaks out, right? Um, it forces them to change too. Yeah. And, and what, I've, what I've realized is, as I'm standing more in my truth about what's important to me, what I want to do, the things I want to experience, the goals I want to accomplish, I used to run around and do things just because everybody else did them, like attend events or go out on Saturday night and drink all night. And I didn't even really want to do them. I just did them because I wanted my friends to be happy and I knew they would give me shit if I wasn't there. And now I'm like, now if I don't want to do something, I just don't do it. And if there's people that I don't want to prioritize spending time with, I don't prioritize spending time with them anymore because maybe their values don't align with mine. And I don't, I don't say that to them. I mean, I just, I just don't pursue those friendships like I used to because I don't need them to like me to validate myself. Um, so that's something that I've stopped, I've stopped doing. I've, my, my circle has gotten smaller, but it's so much better. Yeah. When you change you lose a lot of the people do you, that, that you once were friends with, but do you ever, and it's not like anybody really means to do that. It's just, you like literally grow apart. 
But do you ever, do you ever just go, Oh, well I was friends with them for a while. So I want to make an effort to like try and help them along or something. You know how we want to kind of, we have like a sentimental connection to them a little bit and you like want to help them along. But at the same time, it's almost like you're speaking two different languages. Yeah. So it it depends on the person. I used to be very, when I got on my first, like when I first started out on this journey of like, self-discovery, self-development, personal growth. I got into this and I struggle with it sometimes still into this like self-righteous place where I wanted to tell everyone around me how they were doing it wrong and I'm doing it so much better and they needed to do exactly what I was doing. And so I think I, I would, I would, I would try to tell my sisters or my girlfriends, but I was aggressive. I was aggressive about it and I had a self-righteous attitude. And I've learned that the best way is to just be an example. And, and also, even though I'm not a sale, like, even though I am in sales, I'm not a salesperson at heart. Like I'm not a pusher. I am, I'm a projector. I want people to come to me and and ask for permission. Like, I don't want to push my values on people. I was just trying to make them who I needed them to be. Like, that's, that's where that was coming from. But now the people who really align with me and where I'm going, they come and ask, you know, or they, they, they're, they're curious. They see the changes in me and, um, the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm talking about and they're curious and they want to know more. And, um, I think just being an example is the best way. Yeah. Embodying it and just showing, I've noticed that too. Cause when I started making the change, it's, it's like, it's like these, you know, whether you're vegan or you eat meat, it's like a lot of them are just like, they want to tell you, they want to tell you to do something or, you know, whatever it is they're doing. It's like, you got to do this for this. And it's like a fear-based thing. And it's like, I get it. Or like even spirituality. Like, yeah, like I think we've all had that when we've like, we started to change. We want to like give that, like, you need to see what I see. But then once you realize you're like, that doesn't really, that really doesn't really do much. And if somebody does that to me, I'm like, I don't like that. So you're totally right. And I I can completely relate. It's like, show us the change by how you act and what you do in your life. That's what I want to see. Like, like if you choose to do these things, whether it be spiritual or diet, great. How has it improved your life by what you're doing? How like you can, people can see how you show up. That's the proof. And especially with like spiritual growth. And it, it, it helps you in so many ways, right? Like your mindset and just how, just your aura and your attitude towards thing coming from a place of love versus fear, right? And people can really, that's the change that you can see in people. Yeah. That you, it's hard to put a finger on, but like people are like, I want more of what you got. I don't care what it is. And I think what you said about selling, it's such a great way too, because that's really what a good salesman, it's like, it's not like here, you need this. It's, it's like, giving them what, like, you know, allowing them to sort of see what you're doing and they just want a part of it. Like, you know, how has it been for you? Like in the sales, like 
let's say how long you've been in sales and how is your 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 how you go about selling a product before versus now or is it has always been like the same or has there been like a change on how you like how you approach a lead or you know walk us through that a little bit because that's interesting so there's definitely been a change yeah i am so i deal with i'm in civil engineering consulting so my sales cycle is super long i've been in sales for let's see it's 2020 like 15 years Mm -hmm. and i've taken a break and i wasn't working for a while here and there and there but um i started out in real estate sales cycle in real estate is really short right so you meet somebody and you want them to be out of your life in 90 days you know um that's a successful transaction in in civil engineering you know it makes sense to build this relationship for three years and then you're going to do a deal together and we're talking about deals that are millions of dollars sometimes so a relationship that lasts that long like if i'm meeting with someone for lunch once a quarter for three years that relationship still makes sense but but that longer sales cycle allows me to be more it's genuine like if i am I'm selling you something and getting to know you I like you and I want to know about you and I want to know about your life and I care like in real estate I cared too much people would always tell me it doesn't matter what they want just sell, just close the house just sell them that house and I'm like but it doesn't meet all their needs I felt bad about it all the time because I felt like I was trying to sell people something they didn't want now um, I'm I can be more genuine but what I've also learned is there are people that, that I don't align, their values do not align with mine in terms of just how they respect and treat people in general. And I don't, I do not, or maybe they have a poor reputation, like they treat contractors poorly or they're very difficult to deal with. I don't even call on them anymore because you know, if you, you may make a, a commission, but if they are making your life miserable through this project for the next year, it's not worth the money. So I've been very fortunate. My bosses don't, they see my flow and they trust me to say, I don't want to call on this person or I I do want to call on this person. Um, and they don't make me keep relationships that I don't feel comfortable in. And so that, that feels like so much freedom too. If somebody doesn't feel like a, a trustworthy, honest person to me, I don't try to engage in a business transaction with them. How do you, how do you navigate that? Have you gotten better at, at the, your radar at sensing that? Like what's, what's your, what's your tracker? No, I feel like I've gotten worse because it's like I am. You see the good in people. I do. And so I always, I don't know kind of when to give up in business. And so like if I'm just calling on someone and they're telling me, you know, like this job is yours, you know, I need you to do this up front for free. And then, you know, and it keeps getting pushed back and the contract gets pushed back and I'm just hanging on and then I get burned. I you know, it's like, it comes out of nowhere. I don't, I don't ever expect that to happen. So 
you know, when it does, I'm always surprised. And mm. I think that's just, that's part of sales and you're going to run into that. I ran into it in real estate too. You know, people that are going to be looking at running you around for five days in a row all day long, looking at houses and they go buy a house from someone else. I mean, it's, it's just tired it's sales. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I just, I always think the best, think the, of the most optimal outcome from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm the same way and I've been burned for it. You find, and, and I don't want it to be like a bad thing, like be a victim, but I've also noticed that. So I did emotional intelligence with Ryan Mullins from the group. And I noticed that I, my struggle is I have too much empathy for people and too much on one side and not enough assertiveness and like boundaries in the beginning. And it's, it's hard because like when you open up and you trust everybody so much, they almost see that they see that the good nature and then they think they can like kind of push it. And sometimes you get burned from that when you're not. And then later on when something happens, you, you, I, I'll act out in anger because I've been like oppressing it for so long and I didn't do it in the beginning when I should have set the boundaries and, you know, some people mistake a good nature, a friendly person for like a pushover. And there's that fine line, right? Do you ever find, do you ever get into that? Because I can tell you have a very, very nice nature about you. Like, and I can see that there's probably people that try and try and like manipulate that. Yeah. You know, I just, it's a mistake to assume that everybody's like you, right? And that yeah. everybody has the same intentions. Yeah. Everybody just wants to play fair. Yeah. I really do work for, I don't try to, I don't try to upsell people on things that they don't want or don't need so I can make a bigger, like, I don't, I just don't do that. I'm working like I'm a team player with my company on the projects we're on. I want everybody to maximize everybody's experience to be, get the maximum out of it. But <laughs> I tend to, it's hard for me to find that happy meeting, that happy middle yeah. area because it's like, I won't be burned for a while, so I'll just be happy and in my flow. And the next thing you know, I get burned. So then for the next three months, I'm grouchy and I have all my guard up. Yeah. And I'm like, nope, I'm not doing anything for you. I'm not doing anything <laughs> for you. And I get angry. Um, and then I settle back yeah. down. So, yeah, I'm always searching for that it's middle of the road. The untethered soul was good for that, like opening your heart and and have you read Untethered Soul? I'm not. Oh, you have to. This is like uh this was a life-changing book for me this year. I know we get a ton of books, but this one is like it's 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 about opening your heart and allowing it. And and sometimes like we want to close it. And just like that, that happens to me too. And I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to, I don't want any business from you. I'm just gonna like not help anybody out. And we all, I, like, it's, it's hard because we can't do that. You know, we got to give everybody a fresh chance and it's so easy to close ourselves off when we get burned. Yeah. You know, cause it, it's like, it's such a, it's such a vulnerable feeling and you're just like, forget it. And it's like that in relationships too. I mean, somebody burns you like, that's it. That's it. Never again. <laughs> yeah. And especially like with family and yeah, you know, because you're, you're never, they're never going to be out of your life. And yeah. so that is exactly what I just thought of. I thought of relationships when you said that, but isn't it funny? I'm a reader and I love like self-help spirituality, but the amount of books that I have on my list now versus before I started FFS, <laughs> yeah. 
I can't get through them all this year, even like I have yeah. so many, but I've heard life changing about several. And those yeah. are, the, they keep skipping to the top of the list. It's one of those um, like audiobook ones that is, is, is nice to hear. It's nice to listen to for me. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll check that out. Yeah. It's, um, there's a lot. There's a lot of books. There's so, so many. So something you just said, I, the biggest, the biggest transformation in my life, I think in the past, and really it's just happened. The shift has happened in the past year has been from going from a victim mentality to being in my own power. Like, you know, how many times have you heard, you know, it might've happened to you and you may not have deserved it, you know, and we can be talking about our childhood, whatever, but healing is your responsibility. Mm, Yeah. Whatever your circumstances are. Yeah. They may be difficult. They may be things, unjust things may happen to you. Unfair things may happen to you. But if you stay in this victim mentality, it's really hard to grow there and it's really hard to get unstuck. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You, you can't control what's going to happen, but you can control how you react and how you look at it. I'm tr- that is my goal as a parent right now is to, you know, I spend so much time trying to prevent her from feeling pain or, you know, mm-hmm. inconvenience or misfortune or whatever. And then I, you know, had a serious download two months ago that was like, you're doing her a disservice. She needs to learn adversity. She needs to learn how to handle things that are difficult. And so that's, that's a focus for me right now to teach her how to respond, but also to, I have to remind myself uh, frequently not to give my power away to circumstance. So true. And yeah, we, we think about it. We don't want any, anyone to go through pain, like, like especially kids. Like I think about if I had a kid, I'd be like, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, I'd be so scared. Like, you know, but at the same time, I'm, I, I think about, I wouldn't want anybody to go through what I went through in certain situations. But then now I look back and I'm like, yeah, but that's the stuff that made me who I, that's the growth that I needed to get to where I am today, even though it sucked. Like, that's wow. what I, that's what I'm remembering as the thing that I needed. So it's like, how do we win? Because if they go through nothing, then, I mean, we, I hope that we live in a world now where, where from what we go through and what we're learning, we can teach them where they don't have to go through pain. Like maybe the paradigm will shift where you don't need to go through pain to learn. You see that somebody else is teaching you something, you listen and you do it. And we live in like a, a more of a peaceful world. I hope that it gets to that point. But unfortunately, you know, a lot of the times for us to learn the lesson, we got to go through it, but we don't want them to go through it. So it's like, how do we do that the best way? You know, like, like you won't learn to ride a bike unless you fall off a little once in a while, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's tricky because yeah. I was just saying this the other day. I, I was like, there are people, I think there are people who can learn lessons from other people's mistakes. Yeah. But then there are people who have to to make mistakes themselves in Mm. order to learn the lesson. Totally. And if you're one of those people, which I am, I have to learn it. You're going to experience more 
more trials and tribulations and more pain. Um, but it's super, you know, like it's super funky as a parent because you don't realize that like when you're seeing your kid in pain or when you're anticipating your child being in pain, your inner child plays into that too. Oh, yeah. Because you're putting your own childhood trauma onto the situation all the time, even when it's not there. Like I have to reel it in all the time. Like I'm afraid for this to happen to her. I'm afraid for her to feel this rejection wound or abandonment wound. And I'm, and then I'm like, Sally, why are you even calling that into her life? That's your trauma. That's your experience. Do not put that onto her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how we were parented and they just did their best with what they knew. I know like I was, my parents did their best, but at the same time, it's like, Whoa, that's your projection. It's like all of their fears and everything is put onto us growing up. It's like, yeah. And like, it's, it's crazy. Cause I see a lot of parents who, especially when you get into like, you have girls and they're getting into like middle school and teenage years, oh, geez. the parents want to be super involved in these petty arguments about social media or boyfriends or whatever it is. And it's painful to see if your kid's feelings are hurt or if they're not being accepted, but it's more painful if you're not accepting of yourself either. Like if you don't feel like you have a peer group that you fit in with, and if you're not accepting of yourself, it's going to be much more painful for you to watch your child go through these situations because you're putting your own feelings of inadequacy, insecurity on to what they're feeling when really it's what you're feeling. It may not be that bad. For, it may not be as bad for them but you're making it worse because it's theirs. And then you're putting yours on top of it as well. And I see that all the time and I have to be conscious to not mm. do that too. That is such a good point. Got goosebumps when you were saying that because it just hit home to me. That's so true. And yeah. It's going to hurt that much more if you're not doing those things in your own life or yeah. you're not wild, wild teach. I mean, it is. Yeah. Your child. I don't know how I could, I don't, I'm, I can barely take care of myself. Like, it's like, I can't imagine a human. <laughs> child ends up being the biggest teacher. It's a wild ride. Yeah, I bet. I, um, I wanted to ask you something you brought up earlier about coming from a religious background. And I, I was raised Roman Catholic as well. I wasn't like religious, but that was what I grew up with. And you know, my identity of what religion was then and now and spirituality, and it was all kind of clumped into one. How has that been for you? Like, what, what's your perspective on like religion versus spirituality? And how has it all changed for you? Like, like, what has been your journey? Because that's usually a big thing. Like, when you start to tap into this kind of stuff, you know, the love coming from a place of love versus fear, you know, spirituality being your, you know, connected to source and ourselves or whatever it is you believe. But I know that my perspective has changed. How has it been for you? So that has been a long journey and it didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily lateral with my self healing journey, but I think I, I started to develop resentment for like organized religion and especially the Catholic church from a young age, because I realized that 
there was so much like self-righteousness and, and like I would be sitting in church with the same people who would then leave church and go treat people terribly, you know, and, and that, and then in college, I learned a lot about um, the foundation of the Catholic church and the corruption of the Catholic church. And so I had a lot of resentment for the Catholic church for a long time. My experience with it was very much how I said my childhood was you do as you're told, you know, not as you're shown and you keep your mouth shut. You don't ask questions. It's this way because just because we say it's this way. And, um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've reconciled some of that. I don't feel as resentful. Uh, I had my daughter baptized and I participate in things in the Catholic church you know, Easter, Christmas celebrations. I'll attend a baptism here and there. I don't go to church, but um, to me, it's more of a tradition. That's actually, that's all it is to me. I don't consider myself a Catholic anymore. It's just a tradition to me. Um, And I feel connected to it in that way. Um, But I don't identify with a particular religion. Mm. I just um treat people the way that I would want to be treated if I were in 100% in their shoes which is a place of love it's and a place of love. unconditional love and it yeah and you have to you know i think it's 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 much easier uh for people who are super empathetic yeah yeah but that's my religion and yoga yeah. Yeah. That's uh, like just whatever keeps me peaceful and in coming from the most loving place that I can come from. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I was the same. I had a lot of resentment towards it. Oh, God doesn't exist. And I went through that phase. This is stupid. We're just, this is the, has nothing to do. And then you start to like get into like what spirituality is and, and you know, you start to see things and, start to feel things it's like it changes you know and your whole perspective of what i didn't know what even what spirituality was but getting just the feeling of it and just yeah coming from a place of love it's it really versus fear you know having something people do things out of fear and scaring them and it just doesn't, it doesn't sit with me and it always felt wrong. And I think a lot of people develop that resentment for that, for that reason, right? It's like, you have to be like this or you're out. It's like, well, no, if everybody's just accepting of each other, just sees people for who they are, I mean, and love and, and accepts them. I mean, that's what's, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, our parents' generation, and I do miss this about not having religion, like the community aspect of yeah. it, just being a part of something. Totally. Um, and, you know, our parents grew up with, they weren't nearly as connected as we were. They didn't carry around cell phones. They didn't have social media. It wasn't, they weren't doing Zoom meetings. So 
for a lot of people in our parents' generation, that was their connection to social, like that was their social place. Mm. So that that's where they had help raising their families. That's where they made career connections. If they were a salesperson, they were selling to their, you know, the people they went to church with. Um, so being accepted and not, you know, being accepted in this community was deeply, deeply identifying to them and important to their livelihood. Mm. Um, and I don't think, at least from my perspective, we don't need that as much. We have different resources, um, available to us that they didn't, and we don't need that in all of the ways that they did, you know, 40 years ago. Can you imagine what it would be like now during all this if we, well, I don't even think the problem in our world would be as big as it is if we didn't, like if there was no social media to get all this crap out. So it's like, it's good because we have the ability to connect. Like this is amazing. Like think about how amazing, this is like positive. This is what you can do with positive technology in a positive way. And then there's negative way. But imagine we couldn't do that. We, we would have, life would be so different if it was only about the groups that we went to or that we had around us, you know, and how deep could we really go if we were in our, if we were in our parents' position, like that's, just, that's all, like that's, that's the depth of their circle. Like they could only really go that far. We couldn't connect online like this and like learn about things that see like that are, you know, pretty much impossible any other way. For myself, I mean, I see, I see the downside of social media. I get it, but I would be stuck and I would be so, I would be stuck in an unhappy place. Like I wouldn't have found just finding this community has been so freeing to my soul. Mm -hmm. I just, oh, and I wouldn't have that without social media. I mean, this all started with somebody would like, send me a friend who lives in Florida. So I don't see him that often started sending me like inspiring things from Aubrey. And so I would watch clips of his podcast and then I would follow his social media. And that's how I ended up here. Yeah. Um, with this beautiful group of friendships, like I've never had before. Yeah. And I feel so in alignment with my truth and with, more than I ever have. And it's, and I, that's why. Mm. What are you struggling with right now? Like what are parenting? Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that's the biggest struggle? Cause I was going to say, this is usually what I ask in the beginning, but it's like, you know, what is the biggest struggle you face in your life that had the most impact? So past tense, um, I mean, I guess this is probably, this is a catalyst for, you know, it's, it sounds like such a cliche that things happen to you for a reason or bad things happen to you and you can make the best out of them. But, um, I don't know if you even know about this, but it, there's a couple of girls in FFS that have had a similar experience. So in 2013, I was happy, healthy. I was engaged. I was getting married in the fall and in the spring of 2013, I got breast implants and within like six to eight months, I went from being perfectly healthy 
to couldn't get out of bed. Um, I was having plenty of psychological symptoms, but I was like, my hair was falling out. I had chronic pain, like bad pain. Like at that time, my grandma was 87 years old and she could move around easier than I could. I would get up to make my daughter breakfast in the morning and I would walk to the kitchen to make her a bowl of cereal and I'd have to lay down and go to sleep because I couldn't, I didn't have the energy. You know, to make a long story short, that my pain and my like my physical condition just continued to deteriorate for three years. And I saw every doctor and had every test imaginable and did everything. I took every medication. I tried every diet and things helped, but I never could get, I mean, I went at functioning from a hundred percent as a 30 year old to functioning at 20%. And just trying to stay alive. Nothing ever got me even to like a 50%. So uh, I'd heard that breast implants, just randomly, I'd heard that breast implants could cause this kind of like uh, autoimmune reaction. And I, on a whim, just got them out because we'd done so much to improve my health and nothing had helped or worked. And I didn't have any good leads that I was like, well, I don't care. Like I would have cut off my arm at that point if there would have been some kind of evidence that that would have helped me get better. Um, and within, well, within four weeks of having them out of my body, it was evident that that was a huge thing for me. I was up and moving around again. I felt uh, my emotions were more stable. I was able to uh, digest foods. My skin looked better. I was able to sleep better. My life just, uh, transformed. So, but it didn't go back to, it didn't go back to 100%. You know, like I'm going to say I, I felt awful. It was, it probably got 75% better after I got them taken out. And then it's just kind of been working with doctors and changing one thing at a time. Um, modifying my lifestyle in order to like it it's a big deal for me or it was I've been doing this for probably two years now but it was a big deal for me to have a 12-hour day like for me to be able to stay awake wow. and functioning for 12 hours and now I just like I feel so good like that's my everyday life now but you know like like right before I got implants I ran a half marathon and I Exercise was my stress relief in life and running was super important to me. And then I got to a place where I couldn't work out at all for years. I couldn't exercise and I didn't have that outlet anymore. So like to be able to exercise again, there was a lot of times I was afraid I was going to die and my daughter was little and I was like, I'm going to leave her without a mother. And like when you have so much taken away from you, it just puts life into perspective. And I had to claw, I feel like I'd just be, I mean, you know, I was just being pushed down, way down by this. And I had to, I mean, I had people, doctors tell me I was crazy. My poor husband didn't know what to think. We ended up getting a divorce, but it really destroyed my life for a long time. But it taught me like perseverance. Like I had doctors that wanted me to just be on Adderall, Xanax, 
anti Zoloft, high doses of all of those things and accept that I couldn't work. I couldn't socialize. I couldn't exercise and just live like that. And I would not like, I just would not accept that for quality of life. And I wouldn't accept that for my family. And so it taught me just to get through, to push through, taught me not to give up that even when you can't see it, there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and it made me super fair. You know, it taught me not to trust pharmaceutical companies and doctors. And I was going to say like, that's a, that's a podcast for another time, but I mean, it's been a whole journey. Um, and, and I, after that experience, after I realized that it was, those were what caused my life to take that turn. I was so angry. And I went through this phase of I'm suing the, the manufacturer, you know, I'm going to take on, I'm going to take on a pharmaceutical company that's worth billions of dollars. Like that's not going to work, you know, but I just was so, I was so angry, but it, and it was horrible and it took away some of the most important years of my life in terms of raising a family and some goals that I had. But I can't believe I'm going to say I wouldn't take it back because I'm so much happier. And I found, I don't think you find yourself. I think you come back to yourself. But through this process, I was able to like shed so many extra things that weren't me. You know, it really helped me take a look at vanity and how we place so much importance on our, our own physical appearance and physical appearance of others. And how we don't appreciate our bodies for what they can do for us. Uh, we don't take care of them. And, and I'm just, it has put me in front of this computer with you having that experience. Yeah. So, so that, powerful. that's for sure been the most trying and difficult experience of my life. Okay. So you, you got them out and you started to notice the difference. Okay. But what did you start to do differently in your life to change your mindset and to get on this new path? Like, like that you maybe weren't doing before. Like what are some of the, like the little things that ended up compounding over time into the big things? So physically I was better. Emotionally I was still a wreck. Mm -hmm. Like my soul was just, I, I was still trapped and I, it took a couple years and I would say, and I know you've, I've listened to your podcast, so I know like your experience and your relationship with alcohol, but socially, like that was one of the things that happened. Like my body started to reject everything. Like I can't, can't tolerate dairy. I can't tolerate coffee and I can't tolerate alcohol. Well, that's a big deal at our age in social situations and it's just around every day. It's everywhere. And it becomes a focal point of connection with people. Totally. And it's always been there in my life. Like my friends, my parents, like that's just how we grew up. And I did not have that buffer anymore. And I had to learn how to function without it. And so I just. Without booze completely? Yeah. Yeah, that's been a, that's been a big game changer for me because I had to learn how to connect and it makes other people uncomfortable too, right? Like a lot of times now 
makes other people more uncomfortable that I'm not drinking than it does me. Yes, I know the feeling. Yeah, but I had to relearn how to interact with people. And it's still challenging because, you know, like some of my friends and, and some of them, they wouldn't have said this. And I don't even know that they really realize it, but they don't want to be friends with me if I can't drink anymore. Like they don't, they don't want to hang out if I'm not doing that because it's not fun to them anymore. And that's okay. But I had to find people who wanted to hang out with me and do things I wanted to do that didn't include alcohol. And so that helped me. It really taught me a lot about myself, you know, like, I was forced to, I, I couldn't numb in social situations. So I had to take a real look at who I was, who I wanted in my life, who I liked, you know, what was funny without alcohol and what was really funny, you know, like, um, and, it, you know, that was huge. And then losing my father and getting a divorce, I kind of had this, like, I didn't know who I was, like, I didn't have alcohol to lubricate my social situations. I didn't have a dad and I didn't have a husband. And I had this like identity crisis where, what do I like? Like, you know, I've dressed for other people. I've drank for other people. Like, it goes back to like being a pleaser and a chameleon. Like you want to be accepted in every situation. And I've been doing that for so long. All of a sudden it wasn't working for me anymore. And I was like, I really have to sit down and think about what clothes I like and what I like to eat and what I want to do on Saturday night and what books I like to read and what goals I want to accomplish in my life. And, um, I did not get to that place willing. Like I was, <laughs> I was forced there by this situation, by this health situation and by not being able to drink. And it's still a, like, I'm not, I haven't gone years without a drink. Like, it's, my relationship with alcohol is very similar to my relationship with dairy. When I don't have it for three months, I'll be like, oh, it's fine if I have it tonight. And then I have it, and I'm like, oh, that's a terrible idea. And then I don't have it for six months again after that. We're so, very similar. We're very similar. You just, you know, you just learn. And I used to miss it so much. And I, that's less and less. What's the longest you've gone without it? I'm going to say six months, probably. It's yeah, a long time. Yeah. I, people ask me, you know, what was the turning point in your life or what was the thing, you know? And for me, it was quitting drinking for a year. You know, I was running a bar sober. I was running, doing a cocktail list. I was, I worked for the four seasons in Sydney, Australia. Sober, one of the hardest things I ever did. Talk about making people uncomfortable. Your staff, you can't even drink with them. But I'm telling you, that was like going one year sober. I say to people, I don't preach, don't drink. But I say, look, if it's something that's getting in the way and you just find yourself constantly digging yourself out of holes and not building on the, on the foundation constantly, that's where I was at. Give yourself a break. Pull the brakes for a while. If you give yourself one year without the booze, you will change your life completely. Like, especially if you have an issue, a little bit of an issue where it's like it takes over. That is the biggest thing I ever did. And even though now I've danced back and forth with being sober and drinking currently, I'm back to having a few drinks. I still struggle with it. 
because I want to have fun. I want to see my friends. And you're right. You have to, it's really hard because you construct this persona of the person that when you drink, you're this person and that's how you act. And when you do that all the time, you are that person. So then when you hang out with people sober, you feel like, I don't even know how to be a person without booze. You literally have to learn how to be a a new human sober. And that hurts. And a lot of people are in the same place. There's people that you wouldn't even, you would never want to hang out with sober because it's so uncomfortable. And that's really bizarre. So that, like you said, like we have a lot in common in that way is that a lot of people aren't willing to become that person without booze for a while to see what that's like because it's so easy to go back to the other way. And I've gone back, but I've also gone a year where it's like, after a while, you, you, it's just such an empowering feeling and people stop trying to be the ones that are going to knock you off and just accept who you are. Because there's always somebody like, let me buy you a drink. Come on. And it's like, why do you, do you want me to fail or something? Like, but then after a while people are like, oh wow, you're really serious about this. And that's when like, boom, it's like, oh wow. And it's such an empowering feeling. And I really encourage people like, if it's a problem, like pull the brakes for a while. And like you said, like you it completely changes your life. I I respect you and I'm so glad I have the opportunity to tell you this because I've heard your story and I just, I respect you so much and I commend you for what you do and, and just taking your, your own power with that because I've had the conscious thought so many times through this experience that, wow, I, I, I don't fully understand what addicts go through, but I have a better understanding because it's, it's different to, like, it's not only about stopping the alcohol, but then all these other issues you don't realize pop up yeah. when you don't have that crutch and you have to deal with those or go, like you have two choices. You can deal or you can go back to what was making you miserable. Yeah. And I, like, I think a lot of people, they think that they love themselves, but if you can't love yourself without alcohol, then you don't, you know, like you don't. And, you know, I have so many friends that, and we've talked about it and just, they're now aware of how often they turn to that for a buffer or for a relief. What's in our society. It's everywhere. That's the answer. It's in the commercials. It's like, have a drink. It's been a long day. Have a wine, have a beer. It's like, well, no wonder we're all like that. It's so normalized. And what you know? it actually does is it disconnects you from yeah. yourself. Like yeah. it's not a connecting drug. It is disconnecting you from your intuition. It's, yeah. it's disconnecting you from yourself. So I just, the further you get down that hole, the further away from yourself yeah. you get. And like, do you even, like I just, I just, like I said, I had some groups of friends where, if there wasn't drinks on the table, we don't know each other. We don't have anything. Yeah. To about. And it's sad, but it, it's just, it's important. Yeah. It's, and I'm okay with it. Cause I have plenty of friends who they can drink and we can also talk and not be like, totally. it, and I don't have any judgment. If you can manage that in your life, it became unmanageable in mine. Yeah. And I, yeah. And mostly because my body won't process it. Like I, that's almost a good thing. It make, like, yeah, it makes me sick. I mean, that is the only reason I would still be like, 
And also I'm a huge, like I can, I'm very susceptible to other people's energy. So like I can in within seconds of meeting someone and walking into a room, I can know, I I feel the emotions that are dominant in their life right now which is fine and manageable when you're one-on-one. But when you, when I walk into a room with 50 or a hundred people, all that, all those emotions flying around, like it's so heavy on me. So I needed alcohol to like help me deal with that situation. I feel so, it's just so overwhelming. I can totally relate with you on that. It's so intense. And like, I am much better one-on-one and in small groups. manage what I'm taking in totally so and and it's you know I'm a work in progress like I still have to be I'm weird about like Tulum was difficult for me because I didn't get there until late on Thursday night so everybody had been doing like member-led workshops on Thursday the only thing I was there for was we were at that rooftop bar and there was like a hundred people up there that I didn't know and I tried to have a drink that wasn't working for me. And I was like, I got to go to my room. Like, this is so much. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I want to figure that. I want to figure that part out. Uh, but for right now, really, I just am avoiding giant. I can do it every once in a while, but it's draining on me. Yeah. I need to come home and be alone for 24 hours afterwards. I know exactly what you mean. Like you feel those, you feel those emotions, especially like a group like FFS, you got all these like big minds, even in our WhatsApp chat, I'm just like, I'm like, man, this is just too much for me. I can't handle all these amazing, like there's just so much. And when I remember when we were all in the same group, I'm just like, this is like, like, I don't even know how to like process it. Yeah. It's It's insane. insane. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful to have people with that capacity, that, that intelligence and that intellect around everywhere, because it challenges you to become that too. Right. And I, um, I want to, the thing is too about drinking. I just want to, before we move on from that, is that I've, this is something too, is that if I was allergic to it, I wouldn't drink. But the fact that I'm not, I start to go, am I beating myself up too much for wanting to just, because I've looked to Aubrey for this. And he has drinks. A lot of times I'm like, what would he do? (laughs) Sounds funny, but I'm like, look. Leave her later. Where where am I at my life? Do I need to be completely sober? Like, do I, or is it okay to partake in some fun things in the summer with my friends? You know, is it okay to have some beers and watch sports once in a while? Am I doing okay in my life? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm on the progression. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, we can really beat ourselves up. And this is a problem that I've had a lot is that I will beat the shit out of myself if I go out and drink the next day and then it's not worth it. But it's like, what's the big deal? We're just here for a short period of time. You know, as long as you're doing your best and then you, re- you have a little bit of fun, you know, what's wrong with that, right? But like, that's the thing as a self-awareness. It's like, well, how does it affect you? And is it affecting your life? And can you get away with it? But then also I know better about being sober and what that does as well. You know, what are your thoughts on that? with people and like the balance of like just kind of letting your hair down versus like you got to be this way, you know? 
So I, I love this question and I'm going to throw this out to you. I would be willing to, I think it's important to have like a person who understands this dynamic and what's going on with you and you can talk to you like this, but it, it's important to have someone else help you evaluate your situation because we can be so self-critical, right? And we shoot for perfection, yeah. not for progress. And, you know, so maybe when you're feeling that, you can call me. Now I know I can call you. For and I sure. can say, hey, can I just like tell you about my experience for the past 24 hours and have you help me break this down so I can, personally, I sometimes need people that I love and trust to help me see the big picture because yeah. I get so self-critical and I don't see myself the way that other people see me. Yeah. I miss important parts. And so I think if you have somebody you trust that you can talk to about it, just to help you evaluate, you know, where you are, how this has affected you, because I hear you, like, I see that and I get it. Like sometimes you're going to have a couple drinks and you have a fantastic day with your friends. And then, so this day is like way up here. And then the next day you feel hungover and you're beating yourself up. And so that day is like down here you've kind of, it kind of cancels each other out. Right. Yeah. But if you're losing two days in three days, or you can't, you have to drink the, the next day and the day after. And I think it depends on what the consequences are. It's like, like you're reading it, my mind right now. Do the consequences, are they overwhelming you? And are they playing out into the next week of your life? Or is, you know, or do you just have a, a little bit of a hangover and, yeah. um, you know, you're beating yourself up, you know, I would encourage you. Hell, I've been beating myself up all week about my parenting abilities. And then I was on a call last night with the parents group. We have a parents chat in WhatsApp. And um, I walked away from that call feeling like the one of the best parents on the planet. And I'm like, see, I just need to like engage with people that are having this, a similar experience so we can all throw ideas bounce ideas off of each other. I can get their feedback. And I think like, you know, it would be interesting. Like, could we create a, a group or like have a call around this type of thing? Like people yeah. who struggle with, you know, addictions or go back and forth between being sober and not being sober. Like we should talk about this more. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny because I, I, it's like a constant thing. And I've always known the reason, like even in my, my uh, psilocybin journey, I was told by my higher self to stop drinking. And I stopped for three and a half months again. And I just recently again. And I feel like I'm always talking about this. I feel like I'm always going back. And it's always like, well, you know better. So why you keep doing it? But it's like, I enjoy the feeling of like letting loose with my friends. Like I enjoy having a buzz. I enjoy it. But then... I know that it's not serving me. So it's just like. So when you, when, it, when you had that, were you like drinking every day? And then. Well, when I was in the bars, I was, I was literally, yeah, I was, I was, I was a functionally working alcoholic. Like I could go to work, have drinks now. No, like I can go off it for a while, but then I also think it's, it's, if you're going to drink to celebrate, like celebrate or, you know, something like that is different than just drinking to medicate. You know, I feel like there's different things. And 
I don't know. Like, I, I, I wonder, you know, how, I guess it's just even the awareness of why are you drinking? You know, what, what is the reason behind it? Like is, is, is subconsciously, are we drinking because we feel so good and we just want to sabotage ourselves to feel bad again? Or are we drinking because, Hey, I actually enjoy this. Like, what is the reason? Cause I always wonder too. I'm like, I'm just feeling so good that I, I'm supposed to feel like shit at some point. So I just drink like, what is, what is you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't think it's, I think it's both depending on who you are. Yeah. Like I never had like an, I was never like a depressed, like I felt really sad. And so I would come home at the end of the day and like pound a couple of shots of bourbon alone to be numb from like the sadness. Like that's not my issue with alcohol. But there are people who have that relationship with alcohol. So I, mm-hmm. I acknowledge that. And I, you know, I don't want to speak to that experience. But, you know, from mine, I just have to constantly weigh. I, I mean, yeah, it, it's fun. It feels fun to celebrate. And if you're enjoying yourself and having a good time and it's not having consequences, like I'm super prone to emotional hangovers. Oh, like me too. <laughs> You know, if I have, I really miss, like, I like having a good glass of wine with dinner. Me too. But I can even have that. And then like the next day, this shame that I feel and like the anxiety that I feel. Sleep too. Sleep suffers too. Oh, it's terrible. Cause you're like blood sugar spikes in the middle of the night and you wake up and you can't go. Yeah. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Um, sometimes I find that that's worth it, but rarely but you don't know until you already, until you've already done it. Right. Like what about if you're meeting, you're going on dates, that's a challenging one too. Right. It's like, everybody's just scared to be themselves and they just got to have a drink. It's like, that's what I found too. Being sober. It's like, I don't drink. What? You don't drink. It's like a weird thing that we got to be okay with. But like, where, how do you find that? I don't know if you're dating or not, or if you're in a relationship, but like, like that's a, that's a lot for people too to deal with is, is dating with being sober. Yeah. So I am in a relationship, Mm. but I did not have much experience kind of dating this drug. I mean, not being a drinker. Yeah, it's difficult, but I was never like out front with, which I should have been like, if I were dating now and I were on Tinder or whatever, I would probably one of the first things I would say on my profile about myself is I don't drink because Mm -hmm. that is going to eliminate, I would imagine, 50% or more of people from choosing me. That's a good point. Because they can't date someone. But what I just did for myself is eliminated the drama and the trouble of dating people that are not in alignment with me. Like you, you know, I mean, it's a difficult thing to put out there, but you're going to draw someone to you that is more in alignment with who you are. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. But what, but what I do do is I go on business meetings. I go on business like um, drinks after work or whatever. And I always get there early, 15 minutes early. And I ask the bartender to make me a water that looks like a cocktail. Smart. Because 
it's just business and it makes them uncomfortable if they're having a drink and I'm not having one. Totally. So I pretend like I'm drinking vodka. It's just water. Isn't that hilarious? And that's I mean, kind of, yeah. It's for them. It's not why for do them. people care? Like, why do people like you're not having a drink? It makes them feel like all uncomfortable. It's so weird. Well, I know why. It's because, I mean, I, I really think this. I think it's because they're critical of their choice to come and have a drink after work. Uh, I really do. Like, yeah. And because if they were super okay with that choice, they wouldn't care if you were having one or not. Yeah, true. People, you know, people are a reflection. They will show you where you're, where <laughs> other people will show you a lot about yourself. If you learn to listen and pay attention. That's for sure. That's for sure. <sighs> Time flies, huh? Yeah, it does. It's well, we've been talking for a long time and I'm 38. So yes, yes, time flies. What are you working on? Where can everybody check you out if they want to like learn more about you? You know, writing any books or anything or anything like that. I'm a, that's so funny you asked. That was my, that is my aspiration to be a writer. I wanted to be a writer um, when I was a kid and I'm starting, I've loved poetry getting back into poetry with FFS um, and journaling. So no, I'm not writing a book. I hope to one day write a book. I try to, my platform, Instagram, but I'm so, I will be really diligent about it for a while and then I will not get on it for two weeks. You know, I won't post anything for two weeks. Uh, but you know, you can follow me there. I'm working on getting a certification in, it's called Emotion Code and cool. it is, um, muscle testing for suppressed emotions and releasing trapped emotions. Cool. Um, so your subconscious, like if there's anything going on in your body, you may not know it, but your subconscious knows. So you connect to your subconscious and muscle test and figure out what you need to process. And um, I'm learning how to muscle test. And so that's awesome. I've, uh, I've used this as a tool for myself and I've really liked it. Um, I've been a client and um, I decided to get certified muscle testing. It's difficult. You have to practice a lot and it's, um, it can be a challenging thing to learn, but that's what I'm doing right now. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like I've always been, I draw people to me just because of my empathic nature um, that are looking for guidance and inspiration. I like to listen. I like to listen and I don't even have to say anything. I like to listen to people that need to get things off their chest, but if I can offer another tool to help people, uh, process whatever they're going through, I think that'd be fantastic. Mm -hmm. So that's my goal with that. And I, I'm hoping by Sedona, actually I'll practice on people in Tahoe, but I'm hoping I'll be well, I should be certified by Sedona, so. I'm first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. practice on everyone. That's awesome. That's awesome. What, I always end with this question. It's kind of, you know, I leave the, hard, the easy question until the end. Out of all the things you've gone through, what is one lesson, a 
of the number one lesson that adversity has taught you? Mm, that if you are experiencing trouble and difficulty in your life, whether it be emotional, circumstantial, the first place to look is always inward. The answers and the blame are always right here. You can, you know, you can search for validation and answers and help out here all you want to, and you can blame and be angry with people all you want to, but it's not, that's not where the answers are. Mm. That's not where the change is, the shift. Well said. If you are having, I think, yeah, I think if like, also I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit is like, if someone causes you difficulty over and over in your life, mm -hmm. look at what you are contributing to that situation. If you have a difficult relationship, how are you contributing to that relationship being difficult? And why do you keep going back to that relationship or allowing that business partner in your life? How's that serving you? Or what wound, what old wound and old programming is that playing into? It's a great answer. Thanks. So true. It's a made me think that's it's all about that self-reflection it always comes back to ourselves yeah always comes back thank you so much for this thank you so much so good to connect so much in tahoe but i know it's it sucks but yeah you know what can you do you know sedona yeah, yeah that'll be good well, that'll be let's connect more often and for let's sure Oh, we should chat about that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. And, um, you know, if you're having a tough day, just call me. I'm happy to, I'm happy to help, help you reflect on the situation and, um, we can set up a group call about it. Absolutely. Let's do it. Thanks everybody. Leave us a review. If you can, if you haven't subscribed already, hit that subscribe button on Apple. Stay on top of the episodes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I love you guys. I appreciate you. And we'll catch you next time.